How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You are watching Spartan Dogs for Life, the SD4L show. I am Brian Mosalam, along with my co-host, Justin Thin. How you doing, Justin? Great day to be here, Brian. Exciting show. Looking forward to uh, our special guest today. And I uh, got some commitments to talk about. We a very, very exciting show. And, uh, you know, middle of July and, you know, over the, over the years, time has changed how... It's yeah. an important recruiting time. Yeah, for um, sure. Appreciate everybody joining us tonight. We got a jam-packed show tonight, which includes a, a giveaway of a SD4L shirt, and uh, we're excited to get started. So, why don't we kick it off by MSU adding two four-star recruits? Justin, tell us a little bit about them, will you? Yeah. So the first one, by Job, four-star from Oklahoma. He's a top 75 prospect, and uh, he's a guy that Alabama and Oklahoma uh, were the other finalists in his top three. Miami also wanted him. And to put it lightly, he is Michigan State's highest-ranked non-Midwest commitment in 23 years. So sounds like a pretty big deal just off of that. But you also start to look at what kind of player he is. He uh, is a defensive end, a speed rusher, a defensive end, that has a huddle tape that shows him returning a kickoff for a touchdown as a defensive end. And uh, wow, yeah, great hit power and tackling and technique as well. Um, Brandon Jordan is going to get a supreme athlete to work with. And um, once he hits um, Amber's uh, nutritional program and Coach Novak's weight program, I think uh, he can he can really develop into a very very special piece here. So when you watch your tape on him, what sticks out? Yeah, he just explodes off the line. Um, kind of like what you'd expect once you hear he has taken a kick return for a touchdown, which is, is still very um, kind yeah, of surreal rare. to hear. <laughs> yeah, but so, yeah, you see that in his pass rushing. You see him just explode off the line faster than anyone that's blocking him. And then he also has some plays where he's uh, doing some hand fighting, freeing himself off of blocks. So it's not just speed, but um, after he adds some more strength and weight and he keeps his speed, he's going to be a very, very um, special talent that Michigan State hasn't had a defensive end, um, at least in my memory. You know, how do we get a young man from Oklahoma? When's the last time we've had a, a recruit come in from the state of Oklahoma? 
How does that happen? I couldn't tell you, but uh, uh, I don't know when the last time was. But in terms of how they got this recruit, it was uh, Brandon Jordan. His um, relationship with Sean Cooper, who is um, by Job's trainer, uh, goes way back in the day. And uh, they know what, what BT Jordan is all about. They know Marco Coleman, uh, Kevin Vickerson, and those guys. And um, Bijob is a kid that came uh, to Oklahoma in eighth grade from Senegal. And um, he just um, wanted to go someplace where it felt like family. His family, um, I don't believe, is here with him um, in the United States. Maybe I'm wrong. But when you are, you're an international prospect like that, you need a program that is a family feel. And uh, by all accounts, everything we re- we've heard from Michigan State the last two years under Tucker, that is uh, the kind of program that they're running here, it seems. It's, it's really been remarkable, the reach that we've had nationally. Yeah. You know, in your, in your time re- covering recruiting, have you ever seen us cover such national ground? No, I think uh, the 11 win seasons um, and just the way Coach Tucker brands himself in the program have have gone very far in that regard. And just in a year, they're getting um, kind of reciprocated interest from kids that previously were not so much uh, visiting here or even returning calls. And now these kids are flocking here and some of them are committing here. It's, yeah. um, it's fun to watch, right? It is. It's become a 12-month season, as, as we stated earlier. Yeah. Another recruit was uh, Cole yeah. Dellinger. Yeah, this Prop- one. Uh, yeah. Highest ranking old lineman since 2019. Uh, what do you know about him? Yeah, Cole is um, not as far as Oklahoma. He is from uh, Clarkston, Michigan. Uh, he's, he's an in-state four-star prospect. So Michigan State showing the propensity to not only recruit nationally, but also land the talent that they see as uh, worthy of playing at Michigan State. That's from inside the state. And Cole is a interior offensive lineman. He's very physical. He's added mass. He's a guy that is going to come in and compete for a starting guard spot early in his Michigan State career. And um, he's been up to Michigan State many times. He was here at Spartan Dog Con in 2021. Um, Brandon Parachek, I believe, was also at that event. And uh, he ended up committing uh, after that. So I guess that kind of highlights how good Spartan Dog Con last year was. But yeah, he's just a, a, an in-state prospect that, that you'd love to land. and. Um, Michigan State has done so here. So when you watch the tape on him, you know where do you see him projecting a- as playing? I think he can play any of the three interior offensive line positions. Um, I'm guessing he will come in at guard. He could probably play center if they need him to as well. But, yeah, he's a prototypical Big Ten, physical, tough guard. So are you telling us that or is Cap telling us that? Because <laughs> you act like you're an expert. Do you? Like well, you're the expert, Ryan. Actually, I'm you played. Posi- I I have no clue. You played the position. I'm on a pod. I'm on a I'm on a TV show, and I'm trying yeah. to, you know. When when I watch this tape, I see shades of Brian Masson, just <laughs> just mauling people and uh, pancakes left and right. <laughs> I think I think I think he's a little better than Brian Masson, but uh, we need we need them big. Like I said, we need the big road graders yeah. inside third and three. Closed end of the horseshoe, crowd yelling, you know, get that first down. If you want to compete for Big Ten championships and national championships, yep. you have to impose your will at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the offensive line, adding Cole, 
What other potential prospects are, are on the radar yeah. that we could add? Yeah, I think sticking with the same position group, um, we're looking at Peyton Kirkland, who is committing um, on July 23rd. He is between uh, Michigan State, Miami, Oklahoma. Um, we know Miami has gotten a few commitments here in, in recent weeks and have some momentum down there, but I think... Momentum. Uh, momentum or bags. No comment. All right. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just curious. Um, yes. Let me stop you for a second. Miami, for instance, uh, do you think they're they're offering money ahead of time as an enticement? Or they're saying we have these programs in place? I'm, yeah. What are you hearing? And I'm not, I'm not singling out Miami. Right. Just in general. Like, right. What are you hearing on the recruiting trail? So... In general, in, in 2023, the, the 2023 cycle, my understanding is you have to go about recruiting first and foremost in a way where you have the infrastructure to pay the student athletes. But a lot of people have that. The idea is to kind of tell them that there are specific details and it's you're not just selling them a dream. So. For example, down south, particularly in the southeast, the way I've had it explained to me in some cases, I, I don't know how widespread this particular uh, blueprint is, but what is done is a school, or maybe someone not totally affiliated with the school, but a loose affiliate, will tell a prospect, hey, if you come to our school, this is the style of package you can look at these are the types of numbers specific numbers are mentioned prior to signing day in in the areas i've been exposed to and then that's a no-no yeah so the way that they have been doing it is that that part is done without any contracts without any records without any paper trail and then once the kid signs with a given school then they sit back down then they put it in writing and in that way, the NCAA doesn't have any evidence that it was done beforehand. But our common sense tells us the kid obviously knew that it was happening. Otherwise, he wouldn't have chosen X school if they were just being vague and numberless. So really, it's the thought is put into their head early. They're given a specific number. Nothing is ever signed or, or in paper or something that can be subpoenaed. And then the signing happens. And that's when they officially start to work on stuff. I don't know if there's a way to kind of enforce that, to be honest with you. You know, but common sense will tell you if they're giving a number, they're getting that number from somewhere. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. So, so that number is in coordination with Absolutely. somebody. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're seeing, we're seeing programs that are competing for top fives that traditionally have not. Right. You know, you're, you're, the word around the country is... You know, are they giving these numbers ahead of time as enticement yes. to commit? Yes. 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 I, I can't say who, I can't say what their job titles are, but kids are being told specific numbers in a non-paper trail way that can't be enforced. And then papers are drawn up after signing day. Eventually, some schools, they might be making false promises and kids are going to, word's going to get out that, that they're informal agreements beforehand are not turning into formal agreements we haven't seen much of that yet i'm sure it'll happen it will happen yeah but 
for the schools where they do keep their word, that's a model where the NCAA somehow is going to have to find a way to enforce that. And I don't know how they can if nothing is in paper until after signing day. So, like, you and I both know that's not happening at MSU. Right. How, how do we compete? Like, how do we, I mean, like, being honest, I mean, because the rules, the playing field is not leveled. Right. right. We're, we're not at Michigan State University ever going to go tell a kid, if you come here, we'll give you X amount of dollars. How do we compete for these prospects? And I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about uh, on an institutional level. I'm talking about a street level. Right. The ecosystem as a whole. Yeah, the ecosystem. I mean, at some point, what do you do? Because we're not going <laughs> to cheat. We're not going to cheat. And we're not going to hang a banner only to take it down three years later. Um, how do we compete against some of these schools that are doing these things? I think the first thing is to have a concrete understanding of what can and cannot be penalized. The, the blueprint that I mentioned, it's very hard to penalize that. So it, it's, the first thing that would need to happen is the NCAA will need to, for, for the first time in a long time, do its job, which, first of all, I wouldn't hold up hope for that. But two... Good luck with that one. Yeah. If, if nothing changes in the way things are legislated, I don't, I don't have an answer for you. It's, it's, I guess it's above my pay grade, but I don't, I don't see a way that Miami or some schools out, in the, are out around the nation can't do things in a way where nothing is on a paper trail to begin with, finalize after signing day, and the NCAA is going to be able to do anything about that because there's nothing to submit to court in discovery. There's, there's nothing before signing day other than a verbal understanding that if you come here, trust us, you will have this. That's said verbally. It's not, there's no screenshot. There's no email. There's no contract. And then some schools are following through on that and they'll continue to get players. So some, something it's, it's, something's going to have to change, but I don't have a solution for you if I'm being honest with you. So, so basically what you're telling us is, you're useless. Yes. We yes. put you on a show and yep. you have no answers. And All right. I'll see you guys next week. And you can, <laughs> <laughs> you can sell, we're going to sell t-shirts. We're going to sell t-shirts. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's what we're going to get. We're going to try and build. Uh, I think what, what will happen is um, when Michigan State has a, has this sort of an infrastructure with the SD for around them, then what's going to happen is current players are going to probably be able to get the word out that, Hey, these are the kind of opportunities that are available for athletes that come here if athletes are the uh, influencers that sd for chooses and that should help a lot but i worry about well not necessarily worry but what does a school do that doesn't even have an sd for l type of thing meanwhile other schools in the southeast are operating that way i don't know for 50 years yeah yeah But now the numbers are becoming larger because collectives and donors that are putting money into it are not just four or five people in suburban Alabama. Now it's, it's, it's bigger than that. So, you know, I think SD Farrell is um, it's a little different, right? right. It's, it's a clothing line. It has more legitimacy, I believe, if I'm understanding. That, yeah, yeah, correct. That's looking yeah. for influencers. And I think if you're looking for a national model that's, um, that's sustainable, where you're able to generate revenue, uh, that it's a clothing brand to hire influencers, really it makes all the more sense in the world long term. 
uh, instead of creating these so-called collectives where they're getting into bidding wars with players. So it's really going to be fascinating to see the way that this thing plays out. Yeah. And listen, all power to the young men and women who are able to sign these deals and be able to to be paid for their name, image, and likeness. But I think from a university standpoint, that you need to create a, a model, yeah, a, a revenue model that's that's a sustainable, sustainable, and is able to, um, it's it's able to, um, uh, you know, the goal I would think, or I would want personally, is to create a sustainable revenue model at a place like Michigan State University where you can hire every influencer that plays any sport, including women's and non-revenue sports, to represent the brand. So to me, you have to create a model that's sustainable um, long-term instead of depending on donors to keep putting money in a collective. Because you, you know as well as I do, there's hundreds of millions of dollars invested in top five, top 10 NFL draft picks that you got a 50-50 shot right. of hitting on. Yeah. And so to take a flyer on an 18-year-old, a 19-year-old, and pay them 8 to $10 million or a million per, you know, I think you're reaching. Yeah. And I think you're going to see programs like Miami, like Tennessee, yeah. like some of these programs, I don't want to call them has-beens, but, you know, that have big brand name brand value yeah. that were that mattered at one point that are going to do those type of things yeah. and so in order for msu to stay competitive i think you have to build a sustainable revenue model that's able to um you know that's that's able to to carry forward so it'll be interesting to see how this thing transpires very very interesting on to the next topic Jeremy Fears. Tell us, Justin. Yeah, Jeremy Fears. Uh, this past weekend, won a gold medal with Team USA, defeating Spain. There you see um, DK, uh, his tweet on uh, Jeremy Fears' um, big performance in the gold medal game. Uh, Fears also just had a great uh, tournament in general, had uh, a lot of scoring output in addition to his usual playmaking and assists and tenacious defense. And as you see right there on your screen, just stripping the ball clean, taking it the full length of the court. But yeah, he's just a, he's just a dynamic, dynamic player. He's going to be a spark plug that can just be lethal on the dribble drive for Michigan State when he steps on campus. And also, just in addition to what he accomplishes on the court, he's just a tenacious recruiter. He gets after it with Xavier Booker, Devin Royal, and uh, you even saw him uh, tweeting at uh, Jelani Thurman, the football prospect that's deciding between Michigan State and Ohio State soon. So he's just all green. He, he not only cares about himself as in, having success here, but he wants to be surrounded by great, talented teammates. And every time we see him on the court, he's excelling. Better and better every time. Dominates on the court, but also represents. Yep represents a spartan spartan pride spartan value and he understands really for a young man really mature and wise yeah. beyond his years and uh we're excited to have him because he understands the totality of the circumstances mm -hmm. and the halo effect and you saw him tweet at um at thurman, some of, yeah. yeah thurman yeah. and some of the other players so mm -hmm. uh, jeremy we're excited to have you young man we know you're going to be a great leader you're going to be a floor general could be the next cash 
Cassius Winston, not meaning to put pressure on you, but we are really excited and congratulations on your gold medal. Yeah. On to the next topic. Mel Tucker. What's up with that? Disrespected by CBS Sports. Tell us a little bit about that, Justin. Yeah, it seems to me like Coach Tucker here was listed eighth in the Big Ten in this CBS Sports article, even though he was, um, I guess we can get to that later, but he was uh, named onto the top 20 Coach of the Year watch list. So 20, top 20 in the nation, but yeah, eighth in the Big Ten, according to this article. To me, the math doesn't add up in that regard. But um, yeah, so this article has Ryan Day, Jim Harbaugh, Kirk Ferentz, Paul Christ, James Franklin, Pat Fitzgerald, and PJ Fleck, all ahead of Mel Tucker. So do you think that that rating was based on just a one-year performance or can't historical? Be can't, can't be based on one-year performance because then Tuck should be top three at lowest. But, I, but so like it's, it's curious to me because even if this is based on just overall resume and just long-term success... I, I just can't see how taking a 2-5 and five team with a lot of guys that had to transfer out to the MAC and now immediately flipping that to an 11-2 team doesn't speak to his overall coaching ability and his overall... I guess that should be a very, very, very big point on his resume. And sure, he might not have been there as many years as P.J. Fleck, and he might not have the one um, conference title that Franklin has, and he might not have the long, long tenure of overachieving at, at Northwestern, but if, if I'm starting a program in the Big Ten, Brian, I'm not taking seven guys ahead of Mel Tucker. That's actually remarkable to me that he's eighth in the Big Ten. Again, it's that, it's that chip that we have, yeah. that lack of disrespect, or that lack of respect that we have. Yeah. Um, how should Mel take this? Mel's gonna Mel's gonna have his neutral thinking approach to it. He's going to once again come out this season, and then he's going to probably exceed expectations once again. If I had to guess, that's what he did last year. People people were questioning the hire, and uh, he went ahead and won 11 games. And I think this year, if I had to guess, expectations are going to be further exceeded. I believe. So you're going to guess. How many wins are you going to guess? Or is it too early to guess? No, I, I, I have two predictions in my mind. One, if there's no injury at offensive tackle, and one, if there is. Um, well, I guess I don't have a number for if there's an injury. But if, if the offensive tackle stay fully healthy, give me 10 and, give me 10 and 2. Who do we lose to? Mm, not Michigan. <laughs> that's, that's all we care about, right? No. <laughs> According to them. <laughs> According to them, yeah. Yeah. But, but Mel Tucker has set a standard here. Yeah. He set a standard. We're not competing for championships in November. We're not competing for Big Ten championships. We're competing for national championships. And that is the standard that's been set for this program. Yeah. Really, what Coach Izzo has done, he set the same standard, right? We are going to compete for national championships. And it's it's taking, it took a, a while for 
the folks at MSU to see Izzo's vision. All right? And now Tucker's vision is something that folks are not used to. They're really not used to discussing yeah. or talking about, hey, are we in the national championship discussion? Yeah. And it's really a, a culture change. Yeah. And you've seen the way him and Alan Haller have been aligned in their vision and their mission and what they're doing and the way they're pushing this program forward. And everything points towards competing for national championships. How realistic is that for this fan base? And how many years out are we? Or are we? I think what Multiple it's years out. I think, so looking at right now, the way the roster's been flipped, um, I think by far it's, it's not even debatable. This is the most talented Michigan State team in years. I don't know if they win 11 games like they do last year, but the way, the way I kind of look at it is the defense is as light years better than last year. The offense, the running game, I, I, I think that obviously nobody's going to be as good as Kenneth Walker, but I think you have a stable now that you did not last year and one guy was pulling all the production. The question is, can Jalen Berger and Jarek Broussard combine to have that kind of a production? We'll see. Receiver room, no, no red flags there at all. Peyton Thorne, we know he's good. Comes down to the offensive line. So right now we are looking at a team that has gotten better from year one to year two. And now I expect it on a talent and roster construction basis to be better from year two to year three. We'll see what the record is. But that's a pattern now. Every year there are more soundly constructed roster than the previous year. Mel Tucker is now finally starting to get his guys in the program, guys that are big enough and won't get pushed around at the offensive line like by Ohio State as they have been doing the past five years or so. And um, I think if they keep moving in that direction, especially if the playoff expands once the Big Ten expands, I think you're looking at playoff berths here under Mel Tucker for sure. And then once you're in there, we'll see. I don't know how much longer Nick Saban's going to be around. I don't know if Ryan Day has his eye on the NFL. A ton can change, and it doesn't take much. And we saw what Davo Sweeney did over at Clemson, so we'll see. It'll be very, very, very interesting to see the um, ascension of Michigan State's program mm -hmm. and Mel Tucker because yeah. of his understanding of what it takes to win a national championship or to compete for a national championship. Right. But the two-ranked, the second-highest-ranked coach on that list was Jim Harbaugh. And um, I think we have some live footage of why <laughs> that he was the second-highest-ranked coach. Can you play that for us, Owen? You consider SpongeBob uh, like a hero of yours? Yeah, I love I love SpongeBob. Uh, so does Jack. Okay. Um, just the way it attacks with enthusiasm, unknown to mankind, yeah. at all times. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. he's always happy. Always happy. Always positive. You know, he's energetic. I think I read it, and you said you you like SpongeBob's work ethic. That he goes to work every day and goes and gets it. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, some, some of the times we're flipping the burgers like, uh, uh -huh. like got, got four or five or six arms. You know? so yeah. He loves it. He loves yeah. work. Yeah. You gotta Takes love pride that. in his job. Yeah. I mean, what, what's there not to love about Squidward? That is great. Uh, the other guy, uh, who's the other guy? Squidward. 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 Yeah. No. Yeah. Not a fan. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's, he's got a opposite. bad attitude. Bad <laughs> attitude. You know, I think, I think uh, clearly... Clearly, the way he views SpongeBob makes him the second best coach in the Big Ten. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't agree with uh, 
with a lot of the things they do over there. But uh, can't really disagree with uh, the SpongeBob fandom here. Absolutely, gotta gotta <laughs> gotta give him credit for his uh, the way SpongeBob attacks with enthusiasm and Coach Harbaugh's ability to recognize that. But I want to go back to uh, Jelani Thurman and Peyton Kirkland and Chase oh, yeah. Basantes. Yep. Where, where are we with talk to me yeah. a little bit about them three? Yeah. So. Jelani Thurman, Langston Hughes, Georgia tight end. Uh, he is deciding between Michigan State and Ohio State here. Um, national uh, experts at 24-7 and, and other places uh, kind of think that Ohio State has, has taken a lead here. We will find out on Sunday if that's the case or not, but I know Mel Tucker and, and Saeed Khalif and Ted Gilmore and these guys are going to be working until the very end. He's a guy that right now at Michigan State, the tight end position, they are waiting and waiting to finally feature it as a big position in the offense. Uh, Coach Jay Johnson said when he was hired that MVP is the MVP of his offense. He wasn't able to, to take on a lot of great talent in that room when he arrived, but he has been very, very, very enthusiastic to begin to have the talent to do so so he can take his offense to the next level. You saw Colorado uh, when I was watching some full game tape. A lot of third down and six, third down and seven, they were going to their tight ends all the time. A lot of red zone possessions, tight ends. So I think that's what you can kind of see out of what Jay Johnson wants. He hasn't been fortunate enough to be able to have a consistent weapon there. I think you're going to see that this upcoming season with Daniel Barker. But if Jelani were to come to Michigan State, I think he would see probably the, the most usage, usage that a Michigan State tight end has had in a long, long time. And um, I think he would be a, a feature piece of the offense, if not the feature piece of the offense. But we'll see. I know that this is a place where he felt at home in, in his multiple visits. His mom's a big fan of the school, of Mel Tucker. But it's, uh, we'll see. We're going to find out on Sunday. But I guess Peyton Kirkland, he's a guy deciding on July 23rd, I believe 10 days from now, down to Michigan State, Miami, Oklahoma. I think uh, Miami's looking to play him at guard. And uh, they have tons of offensive linemen committed right now, and I believe they're going to be getting another one here soon. So, yeah, I think Kirkland is probably going to have to play guard if he goes there. Uh, that's why I think Michigan State is probably his best uh, path to playing tackle at the next level and probably starting early because when Jarrett Horst uh, departs here soon enough and Spencer Brown is also becoming an upperclassman here soon, I think Kirkland and, and Coach Cap can uh, work together and, and get him some good opportunity here. We'll see what he chooses here pretty soon. I think I have a pick in for him to end up at Michigan State. I kind of like that pick right now. I know myself, Corey Robinson, uh, Stephen Brooks, we're, we're constantly monitoring that recruitment, so we'll see what happens there. And Chase Basantis, he's a guy that essentially could commit any day now. Uh, could be five minutes from now, could be a week from now, could be longer, we'll see. But he's a kid that is, seems like deciding between Michigan State, um, mm -hmm. Texas A&M, Rutgers, a few others. Um, I know he really likes uh, the, the visits he's taking here, but very quiet kid. We're, we're not sure exactly which way he's leaning right now, but Michigan State is probably his, um, in terms of playing time, much better opportunity than Texas A&M, but we know they have other resources there that kind of make this murky, so not, not really ready to handicap that one right now, but seems like uh, a lot of big targets here deciding in the next coming week or so, and Michigan State has been relentless in making sure they're positioned among the top groups, and now... It's uh, just waiting and seeing. We will, we will wait and see. Uh, real quick, MSU announces the 2022 Hall of Fame induction class. 
And we got some headliners on here. We got uh, we're inducting nine Spartans on September 9th, uh, including Herb Adderley for football, Kathy DeBarro for volleyball, women's basketball, Joan Garrity, women's golf, Draymond Green, the, the champ, men's basketball, Laura uh, Hethos, women's soccer, Greg Jones, football. Kalisha Keene, women's basketball. Karen Langland, women's basketball administration. And Bob Steele, men's track and field. Congratulations. One more topic before we get to the general manager. Use USC and UCLA to join the Big Ten in 2023. Statement from President Stanley and A.D. Haller. I know you guys can't read it, but it says a bunch of good things. We're excited to have two outstanding teams. What a move that is by the Big Ten, huh? Yeah. A move by the Big Ten to have two West Coast teams. We got more in mind that we're talking to, but what this does, which I believe is going to drop, is going to head to two conferences. Yeah. The the whole college football landscape. The pro model, yep. Absolutely. It's going to head to two conferences, and I think it's a great move by UCLA and USC. And really, show that chart real quick, Owen. You know, really... And I hate to say this, but it does. It comes on the money. Look at the Big Ten. The the, the blue graph yep. is the uh, the Big Ten revenue model compared yep. to the Pac, yep. Pac-12. And that's, and that's the past um, nine years. I think what, after you factor in this move, Pac-12 is going to drop substantially and the Big Ten is going to skyrocket, so the gap would be even wider. But, yeah, financially, great move for those two schools. But now Chip Kelly is going to have to come over here and run his gimmicky offense against some real... In the cold. Yeah, in the cold. November. So December. I think uh, it's, it's a good move for everyone involved because those guys get more money, but um, the Big Ten should stack up a few more quality wins. Uh, we'll see what Lincoln Riley's up to right now. Can't run from the grind this time, but we'll see. We'll come see. down. Hey, why don't you come to the woodshed in December, Lincoln? Building those seven-on-seven seven teams over there. We'll, we'll see you in the woodshed in December. November. You know, we'll bring you guys in here and, uh, you know, come to Big Ten country. Play in the cold. We'll see how that goes. But uh, this national, does it ruin the Rose Bowl? Does it ruin the perception of the Rose Bowl? I don't think they care about the Rose Bowl when they're making it's $110 all about the t- million per the year. TV money, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Play that video before we're joined by our, there he is right there. Saeed Khalif, general manager, director of player personnel, who we like to refer to as the architect, the man behind the scenes leading the recruiting challenge. And there he is, right there, Saeed Khalif, general manager. How you doing, GM? I'm awesome, man. How y'all guys doing? We're doing great, man. It's a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you joining us. And uh, thank you for your time. Um, Billy goats, <laughs> Lambos, airplanes, skyscrapers, pancakes. <laughs> what are you guys doing over there? Can you tell us? We just ran out of days in June. There was more stuff coming, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, mean, I mean, I've never in my life seeing a photo shoot of young men and 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 everything that's going on and just the marketing the brilliance understanding what this young generation 
uh, is looking for. And uh, I'm telling you, we are so lucky to have you. We are pleased to have you. Talk to us a little bit about uh, just kind of this generation, this young 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 athlete that you're grad that you're you're recruiting and and what they're looking for mostly well they're more talented than any group we've ever seen i mean these guys have have uh, physical talents and, and and they train year round so they're special athletes you have to take your hat off to them um but it's also becoming a little microwave society too so they want it all right now um and I think a lot of them deserve it, uh, but then there's a there's a bunch of them that, that need to work and earn it too. Uh, so we got to strike a good balance as we recruit these guys and make sure that the love for the game is still the main thing. And they love the game and are willing to do the things and sacrifice themselves for the game. Then the rest of the stuff will, will pay off for them. So they're interesting. Um, I think the kids are probably the same. I think the parents are a little bit yeah. confused right now. I'm yeah. one. I, I'm one <laughs> of them. You know, like I look at. I I always say that the kids haven't changed. The parents have because I cheer when my kids have snow days. <laughs> I'm happy when they're at home, and you know they've softened because of me. Quite frankly, um, you know. There's a lot of negative recruiting going on with, with uh, Coach Tuck, and it's, he's a one-hit wonder, and this is a flash in the pan. And how are we combating that? We, we all know that Tuck coming, Tuck's here to stay, but I'm sure you're hearing the same thing. Um, how has that been along the recruiting trail? Well, it's, you know it. Um, nobody says it. They don't say it to your face. You just know it's the undercurrent in the background. And then you kind of hear uh, a couple guys. You can tell through some of the, the kids who hesitate and who we're competing against. And that's the thing they bring up. Well, he's only done it uh, one time. Well, he did it the second year he was on the job here. So uh, the process is in place. Uh, the commitment to excellence is there. And the challenge is these young people have to dare to follow their hearts and not the influences of others that we're competing against. Uh, a lot of places we're competing against have first-time head coaches. First-time head coaches are going to go through some things, as they all do everywhere. Uh, but for some reason, the allure of Coach Tucker and his, his uh, I guess, quest to do it faster than many makes some people hesitate, and then they use that as a spotter against him when he's trying to recruit. You know, because a lot of them get on campus and they want to be, they can feel the energy, they know it's real. Uh, if they fact check, they can find the facts out about us, but there's, there's some other influences outside that make them hesitate and pause and then the further they get away from you and the more time they get some of that other information coming at them it can influence them to, to slow down or even second guess some decisions that they make yeah i think um i can speak to that for sure um last year i was hearing some stuff about other schools saying oh coach tucker lsu coach tucker lsu despite coach never really reciprocating that interest 
those kids, some of them had faith. They signed here. I talk to them now, and they're like, oh, look at what those guys were trying to tell me about Coach Tucker leaving. Meanwhile, it's one of those coaches that was negative recruiting that's going ahead and trying to land NFL interviews now and not getting an opportunity. So truth eventually comes out. But, Said, one thing I wanted to ask you about was right now in this NIL world, my job is, is hard, very confusing at times in, in regards to I follow recruitment for six, seven months. All sources are telling me that school X leads, school Y is second or third or fourth. Then school Z comes out of nowhere a week before, kind of undermining all my intelligence. And nobody says anything concrete, but if you have your ear to the street, you kind of know why these things are happening. How challenging is the current scheme? I guess we, we know NIL is one of the reasons, but what, what, do you, what do you feel about the way that recruitments progress over time and how hard has that been for you guys, um, just as people in the industry, to gauge that? Well, honestly, game on, really. <laughs> um, you know, we, we, we have, we have a, a solid, solid base of uh, supporters and, and people who will back the program. Um, so I've been told that NIL conversations and, and opportunities will be second to none in a lot of them. Now we're going to have fiduciary responsibility to, to our partners and, and we can't overpromise things that are not sustainable models, but we can point to things that are happening for our current players. And, you know, all guys got to do is talk to the current players. And the NIL discussions, you know, a lot of what I know from from working in the industry, where you hear certain rumors about certain things, they let them run. They let the, the, the rumors proliferate because they want that attention. They want it to seem like they're doing that because it's drawing the attention of, of kids that they otherwise wouldn't have the attention of. Well, we're on the other side want to say, hey, you still got to be, you want to be a Spartan dog, you want to you want to ride this train we're on. You want to get be part of this resurgence of Michigan State football under Coach Tucker. Make that decision. And the NIL questions get answered immediately. Um, and you can tell some of the kids, they clout chase on our social pages. Right. They jump out there and ask our mm -hmm. fans to get them to certain numbers and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yep. You know, who's because they know we got a rabbit fan base, solid We fans. do highly interested and have, a, and have a great energy for what we're doing around here. Um, and so you, you, the hardest part of it is you want them to enjoy what the fans bring, but it also is building attention to them and it's helping them as they start to navigate the space in other places. Um, Unfortunately for us, fortunately for us, we've been able to get some really good kids committed right. who want to be here, and they're going to add to this program. We're going to have a really good football team this year, um, and we're going to continue to add pieces. But this is this is a long journey, man. Yeah. All this NIL did was stretch it out. It just made it. This thing's going to go well into some falls season. You know, you actually have kids waiting to see how your team is going to do. Mm -hmm. because of the negative recruiting. But then at the same time, you know, that kid is making a decision based on what his NIL commitment can be. 
he's probably not the right kid for our program. Right. That's he, not to say that we don't want to participate. We will participate, take the gloves off, we're all in. But if it's about the highest bidder, if it's about the numbers, not for us. Because we're going to go out there in those dark, tough days when we guys going to be able to look to their left and their right, and they're going to be able to count on their brother. And it's not going to be about who's got the best NIL opportunity. It's going to be who wants to go out and bloody some noses and win some football games, period. You know, you bring up a great point because we're the sandbox is not leveled, right? We're not going to go out and bid for kids. We're not going to go out and break the rules and tell a kid, if you come here, we're going to give you X amount of dollars. So that, that doesn't level the playing field. I mean, it just doesn't. How do we get around that as a program? Win. 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 Just keep fighting. Keep That's chopping. It. We keep chopping. Keep doing what we're doing. Stick to the process. Keep providing a great educational opportunity. Developing these young men to be good citizens and leaders. And keep winning. Um, people will have to come into our stadium and we'll have to go into theirs. And, and, and you know, this right now it's the 23 class that's really at the uh, precipice of this whole NIL situation. But it's the 22 recruiting is going to determine what happens on the field this year, not the 23 class. The 23 class got a whole nother season. And then even those young guys got to figure out when they get to play. So right. it's about what you're doing right now. It's about what your locker room is built on right now. What's going on in your off-season program right now? What kind of uh, overtime program do you have kind of enriching these young guys' lives right now? That's what's going to determine what the ball looks like. Yeah, so Saeed, looking at right now where Michigan State is at, is at a pro, as a program compared to last year, to me, I've noticed night and day differences. Kids are just so enthusiastic about um, obviously Mel Tucker, but just the program as a whole, calling them championship contenders because last year they were in the top five of the college football playoffs. So right now I have noticed a huge shift. You have probably noticed it tenfold since you're having these conversations every day. You're hosting these kids. So comparing it to this time last year, how would you describe the way that you guys are being received by kids of, of a certain talent echelon? And just what has the last year been like in a before and after kind of snapshot in terms of perception? What's interesting is the kids tell you the story now, right? Because this is well documented. <laughs> Before you had to tell the story, you had to go back and dig up the history and explain the, the program and the culture and all right. kind of. They come in now and they feel it. And then you have video evidence where you can kind of show them a reminder of who we are and what we do and, and how we go about doing it. And you know, you know, we're blessed to have Mel Tucker as our as our lead dog. So to speak, right? Because um, because he gets it, forward thinking, daring, um, but at the same time, he surrounded himself with a, with a courageous group of people and men that don't shy from any challenges or opportunities, and they're into developing players, into developing student athletes. So what you what you get from the guys now, even when people come on campus and they get to talk to our kids. They know that our kids are bought in. They believe in what's going on because they are, they are reaping the rewards of it. They are enjoying it. They have an enriched college experience. Uh, our guys have a great time here. Many of them didn't even go home when they had a break. They stayed around here. They love training. They love 
to conditioning. They love getting themselves ready for what they know is ahead of us, which is a season. And that's just a testament to the type of men Coach Tucker has put around him to get this program moving in the right direction and reach a level and stay on a level. Uh, you know, we felt like, okay, we had to get to a level. Now we want to stay on the level and go to a new level. We're not shy about saying we want to compete for championships. Yeah, for sure. So I guess one just general recruiting question I have is I've noticed uh, maybe it's just me and the, the recruitments I'm looking at, but it seems like a lot of kids are now deciding in July and June that maybe in previous years kind of dragged out the recruitments a bit more. How do you guys go about pacing your process? Or I guess how do you kind of allocate – spots in a recruiting class of taking them before your season starts or maybe capitalizing on momentum you guys might have in the season and kind of where do you ideally like to be heading into a season in terms of how many spots you have left and how do you balance preseason recruiting versus capitalizing on in-season momentum and not filling up too quickly because i'm seeing some schools with like 19 commits sitting in the top seven we know they're going to fall off because they have no spots left and you guys have given yourselves a lot of capital now in terms of spots left how do you balance those things don't get me wrong. I don't like it. I want to be. I want to be done by. I want Fourth of July. That last person who's been committed in the class is full. So I'm gonna just be transparent with you. Don't like it. But we know we are competing for the top kids in the country. We want. We are, our goal is to be a top ten, top five program in recruiting. Um, so we know we'll have to play the long game with some of these guys. But I don't like it at all. I'd like to. <laughs> going on vacation with a class full and I'd rather work to hold on to guys right. than to have to get them. Because um, right. the in-season recruiting is a different beast. In-season recruiting um, with coaches, you know, our main main thing is the main thing. We got to win games and prepare our, our family to go out there and win. So, you know, recruiting is, is, is scaled back to a degree. Um, but And then your season your season kind of dictates your attention, you know, what kind of successes or failures do you have and how does that translate to the public? Uh, but I would have loved to have been done. It's tough. I do like that the guys are making commitments before their senior year of ball. Right. I do like that they go in with a focus on their season and they can go be good teammates where they are. Um, and, but again, some of the guys, the higher profile guys, take a little bit longer to make their decision because the court, the court process, is, the courting process is just right. that much longer. I call it pretty girl recruiting. You never yeah. <laughs> a pretty girl. You don't know what that's like, but you know, if you ain't calling her, somebody is. So and don't be sitting around with your face roll up because she didn't call you back. She didn't call you back because she's on the phone with somebody else. So you better wait to turn and keep on chopping. So, so like just. You know, let let's just be honest here. Like, the swag that Tuck has, right? I mean, everybody's talking about Tuck. Everybody's talking about what he's wearing, what he's, you know, what he's looking like, the way he's rolling. You know, what we're seeing on social media is that the perception with the recruits and their parents, and you know, because we're hearing that he's a celebrity with the parents and and the kids and they can't wait to meet with them tell us a little bit about that well he's the same dude all the time so swag he has swag on deck that's what he is he, he brings it he, he brings it with him everywhere he goes so he doesn't turn it off because we got company 
that's who he is. Uh, whether it's in the public eye or in private, I mean, he's one. He's the same guy. So that's one of the pluses. Is he's just genuine. He's, he's a genuine article. He doesn't have to put on any airs or pretend. Uh, creative thinker, daring. So yeah, he has some rock star status because he's he's the easy face and, and name to write about and talk about and he doesn't mind and he doesn't tell many people no part of it is you know a lot of the his competitors or, or colleagues kind of shy away from it and he embraces it he doesn't he doesn't run from the attention he doesn't run from any of the accolades but he will transfer it to what he knows that makes it and it's the work he knows it's the work that gets it and how you come to work and how you choose to be your true self, if that transfers over to interest from other people, so be it. Um, we have some fun with it. We try to figure out different things to kind of, you know, promote it. Personally, I'll sit around and say, man, we need to get you to do this. And he'll, he'll, he'll give me a side eye, but I got twist his arm a little bit and he'll, he'll take a shot at it. So. I mean, we got baby, we got baby goat showing up and pancakes and, you know, you guys got a next thing's to land a 737 on the 50. Like I told you, when you land that plane on the 50. Just not enough runway space, so we get it down. I mean, we get it down. And you know what's ironic, right? This is where, if, if I can talk freely, this is where the haters come in, right? So oh, yeah. The oh, haters yeah. think, they think we just went out here and rented these vehicles and paid these people. Goats, people, we are an agricultural school. We can get any farm animal we want over there, right? So that that's not a hard task. And you know, we had um we had a vehicle on the field, a first photo shoot. The intent was not to take pictures of the vehicle. It was really the the vehicle was there to bring the equipment for the cameraman to the field. <laughs> And the cameraman said, man, this would make a great shot because it had tenant windows. And man, the emails <laughs> I got the next day after that, it just turned into, and so now between Rolls Royces and Lamborghinis, I mean, you'd be surprised how many people just call out of the woodwork and say, hey, I want my vehicle down there on the, on the field. And what we to say no. <laughs> okay, well, let's do it. And the kids loved it, right? It was, they love it. I think the I think the parents loved it as much as the kids. I mean, we had sure. kids walking out, and then to see their kids actually in the joy of having that experience, they were wearing vintage gear, guys. They were wearing old yeah. starter jackets and things like that. So it wasn't about um, it wasn't about a, a bravado or being braggadocious. We didn't own those things. We just have friends that own those yeah. things and let us use them. <laughs> oh, oh, oh let, me, let me tell you, you know, as you know, we got a couple friends that got some B's behind their names and some zeros. We can put, we can, we can put whatever you want on that 50 yard line now. <laughs> so exactly you, right. you let us know what, what we're gonna put more in goats on there if you need. <laughs> All right, yeah. we, we, we know. Well, that's why we, we didn't talk to you about it, Masada. We know, hey, <laughs> if we don't, don't talk to him about it, we'll have a whole zoo out there. <laughs> Brian's gonna flood the field and put a yacht out there. I ain't got nothing. I'm, I ain't me. I got thirty-two thousand in the bank, but I got some friends. They got some zeros behind their names now. Yeah. So you if you want to land the seven thirty-seven on the fifty. 
you let us know. Yeah, get we'll, get, we'll, we'll get it done. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get it done for you. Yeah. But uh, I think, yeah, I think the, the the coolest thing about this of watching it from afar is afterwards talking to the parents and the kids, is that you guys have coupled the flash and and, and the flair and the energy with a substantive uh, family feel environment. And some schools I see down in the south that are trying to copy, if they don't have the second part. At the end of the day, the kid's going to smile at the car and walk away and no, no impact's going to be made. But if you have that intention grabber and you couple that with the environment, and as parents always mention to me, the players panel where the players, players are not going to play with another kid's future. At the end of the day, if those kids are giving genuine feedback, that's genuine feedback. They're not playing with their players' money. But the third bullet point, the one that I wanted to ask you, my last question for you, parents and mostly recruits, they love the social media support Michigan State has. Love it. Um, personally, I see it, and I think it equates to NIL. I don't know if all the kids connect those dots but, or whatnot, but what can you say about the support that Michigan State has gotten from the fan base on social media, and to what degree does that help you guys? Oh, man, it's tremendous. Um, the fan base is so rabid here. I mean, you, all, all we have to do is say or do or sprinkle one little thing out there, and they pounce. Um, they extremely supportive. They extremely supportive. If somebody <laughs> says a negative word, they're going to rip them to shreds. Um, they're going to promote all positives for the program. It's fantastic. And what guys need to understand as they're making a decision to come to a place like this and where NIL is a big deal, when you have that kind of support and you have that kind of energy from your social platforms, nothing spreads faster than that. So those platforms are tremendous assets to the student athlete as they start to build their brand out and do certain things community service wise playing a lot of the a lot of what happens throughout social social media is becomes national news um so it's a tremendous opportunity for guys who decide to come here and be spartan dogs what they have to do is dare to be spartan dogs believe what they feel believe what they see, question what they don't have answers to so they can do some fact-finding, and make the jump. And it's not a huge leap. It's not like you're, you're, you're jumping out there and you're trying to choose something bad over something else. What you're doing is choosing what's really good and taking it and being a part of it as opposed to waiting to see what happens. Because you got to remember now, we had success in the portal. So some of these guys who make bad decisions right now, we'll see you in the portal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Uh, a lot the, of fun. The architect, Saeed Khalif, what a hell of a job you've done, man. And uh, we're lucky to have you from, from uh, Whiskey up there in Madison. And, uh, you know, we appreciate you joining the show. And... Uh, Always a pleasure. By the way, how tall are you? Six six, six five. You know, I get bigger every year. Um, but <laughs> I'm clocking right at about six five, though. I'm he, not he, getting much taller. He'd be a take. Oh. He'd be a take. Yeah, Plan yeah, A. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, I yeah, you wait. guys, you, you guys are fantastic. You guys, I, you give me too much credit. I have a great team of people that uh, support the efforts, work with a lot of passion and high energy, work tirelessly, and you, you guys know some of them. So I, I appreciate you saying that I'm the guy, but I'm just a guy that's kind of out front in name 
but it's a lot of people working in the background trying to make this thing happen for us. So I'd be remiss if I didn't get them credit for the, the jobs that they do, the men and the women over there, and especially the coaches. The coaches are grinders. They're all bought in, and they're fighting their tails off every day trying to get kids into it. So it's a, it's a family effort. It's a collective effort, uh, and I appreciate you guys all of the support we get from you guys too because it, 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 it means a lot well we're family we're here for you so we appreciate the job that you have done and uh the staff has done we know how hard they work and uh we just want to thank you for joining us tonight yeah. uh, good luck the, the rest GM, of the cycle good luck the rest of the cycle and uh we're gonna have you on uh, when we finish with the, with the top five class to talk about it. Thanks okay? for having me, and I will be the first one on with bells on when we're in the top five. Oh, bells. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you for joining us. Good night. Go green. I appreciate you. Thank you, Saeed. Thank you, Saeed. Ladies and gentlemen, like. Saeed Khalif, the general manager and director of player personnel. I'll tell you, what, what a great interview. What a, what a, what a that was treat. That was a lot of fun. That was a, lot, that was a lot, lot of fun. Before we close out the show, though, we have a shirt to give away. We have an, a shirt to give away, and uh, I think the chief ran a random uh, generator to choose the um, choose the winner here. The chief sure did, and uh, I misplaced it. You have it? Yeah. Um, Read it off for us. The winner here. The winner of the SD4L shirt. Remember, we only have a few. We're still in production. But Justin will announce the winner right now, and then we're going to follow you and DM us so we can figure out how to get it to you. So, Justin, without further ado, go ahead. The winner of this very limited stock, very exclusive shirt. <laughs> without further ado, Sparty Hoops 32 with the handle of Hoops 32 Sparty. So, again, Twitter name Sparty Hoops 32, Twitter handle. Hoops 32 Sparty. Congratulations. We're going to follow you, DM you. You tell us how to get you the shirt. And uh, it's only $400. So send it to <laughs> us. We'll be good. But uh, we're just kidding. Anyway, congratulations. And we appreciate everybody joining us tonight. Thank you. God bless. Good night. And go green. We're just getting started here. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.